want to do tonight is uh, just talk about Jesus is in the house to heal. Amen. And uh, Pastor Sam on Vision Night just talked about the importance of creating an environment of faith where we actually start to see the increase of God's miraculous power. Sometimes you can look in life and you can have hear of amazing testimonies. I was in Slovakia three weeks ago and a guy had 15 tumors right around his neck and he had um, an x-ray where the doctor had taken uh, and, uh, the, to cover the, what was happening and they're pretty serious. He was prayed for. He went back to the doctor and there was none there. So they have it the before and the after. Now, I, you know, that, that's the amazing power of God when you see God move and there's medical before and medical after. And here's a testimony of God's power. And I must say, I want to see more of God's power. Who, who wants to see more of God's power? And I believe as equippers, we've got to create that environment for God to move. We've got to start to believe for the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit among us. When I was a younger Christian, I always thought if I prayed for 100 people and one got healed, that's pretty good. Now you could get discouraged by the 99 or get encouraged by the one. By the one, God increases your faith so that you start praying for 100 people and then five people are healed because your faith is growing. But what we do often as Christians is we, we, we look at the negative result rather than the positive. And so our faith never really extends. We don't grow, it's not challenged. And uh, I wanna be true to our name tonight. I'm here for my understanding of healing. I wanna equip you because healing for me in a church that is really alive is not about the one. It's not about Sam, Ed, Willem, uh, Esther praying for the sick. The Bible says every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ should lay hands on sick people that they might recover. And so we want to equip the body to be agents of Jesus to bring healing, amen? How many are ready for that? Because I believe that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to equip. Just to illustrate, uh, we were on holiday and the boys, well, everybody were playing volleyball. I was watching on the side. So it was a mixed age volleyball team. And so you had the people like uh, my sons who are very competitive and then you had their kids who are mostly also very competitive. And, uh, but in the midst of it, the youngest child, her name is Gria, she's here somewhere tonight, but she was five and I was on the side watching and I saw Gria desperately trying to, you know, get out of the crowd to hit the ball and she could never do so because she was just too short. And so she, I saw her leave the court grab a chair, come back, put the chair right in the middle of the court, and then she stood on it because she was desperate to hit the ball. And you know, sometimes in life, we are so governed by our current environment that we don't allow ourselves to stand up and to stand out so we grow. And tonight, I, I believe it's time for some Christians to actually say, no, no, I'm not going to be governed by my current reality. I might see things way down here right now, but I think it's time to get on the chair and begin to see things from God's perspective rather than your current reality. 
And that's where we need to see God's intervention. How many are into that? And so the, the story I want to use is a, an amazing story in the Bible. It's found in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, the account that I want to ring, read. And it's the story of a, a, a man who was uh, paralyzed. Uh, he couldn't move. And he, it took four men to carry him to where Jesus was. But I just want to pull some things out. Just another point of reference. Uh, we strongly believe in this church that the kingdom of God is not just in words, but it's in the manifestation of God's power. And so God is looking always to manifest His power. He's always looking to manifest His glory in our lives. He wants our lives to change. He wants us to represent His glory. But also God wants to manifest His power to some of the difficult situations that we face in life so that we actually see His glory manifest in healing, deliverance, and breakthrough. Amen? And this story here has always inspired me, just reading parts of it. And it says again, he being Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. I want you to underline that. It was heard that he was in the house. Uh, in another, the old King James Bible, it was shouted abroad that Jesus is in the house. And I love that, that everybody knew that Jesus was present. Then it goes on, it says these words, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive him, not even near the door, and he preached the word of God to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their face, and you've got to note here, it's the face of the men who brought the paralytic. I don't know that it doesn't talk about the face of the man who was lying on the bed, but definitely the people carrying him really knew that Jesus was going to heal this guy. And so they were inspired to bring him. Jesus saw their face. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Interesting, he didn't heal him. Initially, he went to the cause. And sometimes in our life, sickness is related to a problem. And unless you get to the root, you're not gonna get healing. And I'll talk to you a wee bit more about that. That's why some people go from one thing to another. But there's a problem. Not always, but sometimes. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their heart. That's what religious people do, is they reason. Reason. Logic will always be like Greer in the middle, can't hit the ball. Because you reason. You look at your current environment, and you'll always talk yourself out of it because you're looking at what currently exists rather than standing on the chair and getting God's perspective. And I believe tonight we've got to come onto the chair, not reason with our mind. We've got to reason and, uh, and come to where God wants. And some of the scribes were sitting there and they reasoned in their heart, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were reasoning thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. 
But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, go and go to your house. And immediately he arose, he took up his bed, he went out in the presence of them all. And so they were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Imagine in the town hall here, there's been actually amazing revivals in this building. Amazing moves of God. I can remember as a young Christian listening to some of the stories, the testimonies going way back in the 70s about people who would come in death and leave out those doors hearing and people who were just miraculously healed in their body. And I believe God wants us to create, say create, that environment again. So revival is not just God sort of somehow turning up because we're nice people. Amen. How many are nice people? Come on, we all should have our hand up. We're nice people. But he doesn't just turn up because we're nice people. He turns up because there's, there's, a, there's a desire to create an environment where he can move. And I just want to talk to you about some areas that help us to understand that. Number one is just going through, you know, the presence of God is attractive. It's got to be attractive. People came, they wanted to be where Jesus is. And they didn't just come by ones and twos, they came by multitudes. And they came by multitudes because they knew that Jesus Christ had an answer to some of the issues of their humanity. So they turned up in their droves, they turned up. Many people flocked together, they came because Jesus was there, he was present. And one of the things in church, if you can understand, why we sometimes do the things we do. Why don't we just put the preacher on as soon as we arrive? Well, I'll just let you know, it'd be jolly hard work. <laughs> because everybody would be sort of, their, their minds would be in a whole lot of different spaces. And to preach into that, to create an environment of faith into that is very, very difficult if you've ever stood on a stage and preached. But the Bible actually says by creating an environment of thanksgiving, and creating an environment of praise, what we're doing is we're opening the door of our heart and we're saying, we know you're here, but we, we acknowledge you're here. It's almost like, you know, sometimes you can open the door of your home, someone comes in, and then you snub them. You just carry on. They, they, they don't, you don't talk to them. You just leave them there. And I think sometimes we do that with Jesus. The moment we walk in here, we bring his presence. But actually through our thanksgiving and praise, we, we acknowledge he's here. We actually declare he's here. We're actually enthroning him in our midst to move. We're enthroning him to work. That's why we, we sing the songs we do. Why? Because we're enthroning Jesus. We're giving him attention. We're giving him the right. But if you just come to church, and, and I'm not saying you do, but you're only worried about Jack sitting next to you or Frida or someone like that. Good names, Jack and Frida. I had a dog once called Jack. <laughs> but if you, you're just worried about the people by you, I was actually inspired. I, I've watched this over the years. I was sitting there tonight, and I don't know whether you noticed, a whole lot of kids came. And I, I just looked, I observed, 
And one little girl, she just put her hands up. The girl next to her wanted to distract her, but she wouldn't put her hands down. She was into the presence of God. So then the girl who wanted to distract her lifted her hands up too. There's something powerful about that. Because you can either go with the groove of the crowd or, you know, you're worried about the person next to you. Or else you can actually be a leader that creates the presence of God. So God can actually do miracles and God can actually do wonders in the house. And you respond because you know that through your thanksgiving and your praise, you're creating an environment. And perhaps you might be the recipient to be healed, to be set free, because you're creating this amazing environment. And I believe we do that. So I'm not talking against it. Uh, 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 challenging against something. But what I'm trying to do is, come on, let's realize the importance of it. Let's realize that actually praise and an environment of thanksgiving is incredibly attractive. It's very important. The second thing we can learn, and I think I might have the keyboard player because it really does create an environment for God to move. So could you come and play? I don't know who was there. But the second thing was focus. So one is the attraction. God, Jesus, in my term, is amazingly attractive. I think religion is, is, is boring. But the presence of Jesus is magnetic. It's attractive. Where God is, you want to be there. Amen? You want to be in church. You won't want to stay home. Better than TV. Man, those guys were good tonight. I didn't know one. And I actually watched Top Gun on Friday night. <laughs> Shows you how good I am. Can't even remember the tune. But then there's focus. And the reason why we preach is because preaching, praise, thanksgiving and praise creates an environment. It says, Jesus, you're here. I acknowledge you. But preaching actually ignites our faith to believe. And wherever Jesus went, you would find that before he actually performed miracles, he would speak the word of God. He would preach. He would teach people. Why? What he was doing is he was wanting to challenge. He was wanting to shift something. But in the shifting, he was wanting to create an environment of faith. So the faith wasn't just in the environment. The faith was in his word. Because if you've got faith in the word of God, you can sustain pressure. But if your faith is just in an environment, God could turn up, God can move, but you won't sustain it. Because the Word of God gives you the ability to sustain pressure. And the amazing thing about a preacher, now I preach, and I also know how to teach. A bit of both tonight. I'll teach from some of the things I know. So the authority of what I teach really comes out of my experience of life. But then I will preach. And when I preach, my authority doesn't rest in my experience of life. My authority rests in what the Bible says. And do you know when I'm preaching, and all preachers should understand this, I could sometimes be the first on the altar call. Because I'm making the Word of God my authority, not me. 
And that's why preaching, we're preaching into an environment to establish the Word of God so there's faith generated. And that's what I'm here to do tonight, is try to, for you to see that God is a God where we believe in His Word, we are able to break through our current environment, we're able to stand on a chair, see beyond our current humanity, and we'll be able to elevate ourselves so we see it from where God sees it. And if we can get a generation of people seeing from God's perspective, you watch what God will do. He'll turn up. We're gonna see miracles, amen? We're gonna see supernatural things happen. Lives are gonna be transformed and changed. I love the story of the demoniac. It helps me on a bad day. In Mark chapter five, this man, this man was super crazy. If you're crazy, he was crazier. I don't know how much clothes were on him, but it would actually probably say there was very little. He wasn't clothed. He, he, he basically ripped himself. Uh, he, he, was a, he, he was a living manifestation of a person who was taken over by hell on earth. But when, when, when Jesus got him and he ministered to him and those demons came out of him and it went into a herd of swine, the Bible says an interesting thing. He was this man who was absolutely demonically raging. Now he's sitting at the feet of Jesus with a sound mind. Man, I'd love to see that in church. Do you know what it'll save a whole lot of pastoring? <laughs> I'll just let you know. People just sitting at the feet of Jesus with a sound mind. Now he, he, out of his words, because Jesus had really manifested his power in his life, something miraculous happened. He said, I, I, I just want to follow you, Jesus. I want to be where you are. But do you know, Jesus said an amazing thing. I often think about this. He said, no, no, go home. Go home. And by this man going back home, he went right into the environment where he probably got demonically oppressed. So what Jesus was saying, no, no, you're delivered. You've got a sound mind. Now go home. Face your demons. Face them. Learn to live a life above the thing that once destroyed you. And do you know a lot of us Christians, we, we want to be men be pandied but the power of God actually liberates us. It frees us. I want to see the power of God working like that. I actually want to see it. Just like Jesus, he's walking along and he said, follow me. I didn't say any more than that. That's good preaching. <laughs> I think I'll just have a sermon called follow me. Not, not me, but follow Jesus. And do you know, it just says they left everything. They left everything. They just followed Jesus. Boy, I'm looking for a few more people to respond like that. So the focus, the preaching of God's Word, the teaching of God's Word establishes faith for us to break through in things that would actually hinder us. The third thing, so the first thing was it's attractive. Jesus is present. I think wherever Jesus is present, there's got to be something that's amazingly attractive. I, I often think Jesus is my magnet. Amen? He draws me in. I want to be there. 
Because when I'm with him, I'm more peaceful. I feel more together. His gospel works. But it focuses. I, I, need, I need to be preached to. You sometimes see me after I've preached. I can be here by myself and listening to Sam or other people preach. I love it. I don't need the stage. I need someone to challenge my faith. I need someone to build me up. Amen? So do you. That's why we come to church. Church keeps our faith alive. The third thing is expectation. They came to him. They didn't just come to a good gig. I think in the quibbers, we've got to be careful. We've got good music, talented people. But careful you don't just come to a, a good gig on a Sunday night. I love the fun tonight. I, I laugh. I'll, I'll laugh till I cry. I love all that because I think that's the sign of the presence of God. So I'm not against that, but be careful why you're here. Ask the reason why you're here. Come on, have an expectation that you actually are coming, that Jesus will meet you because when you, when you come with Jesus, He's gonna meet you. You've got the faith, you're reaching out. There's an expectation in your heart, not just to attend church. Come on, I did that as a young boy. It was, it was boring. I remember they used to turn the lights dim when the preacher came on. For me, that was a reason to have a snooze. <laughs> then when, when the preacher said he said his prayer, then I was still snoozing and I was meant to turn the lights on again. <laughs> it's like a guy at Bible college, and this is a true story. The guy was lecturing away and he's a bit of a, monotone voice, boring lecturer. And so one of the students went to sleep in the middle of the lecture. And so his mate thought he'd have him on and he tapped him. He says, you've been asked to close in prayer. And so he stands up and closes in prayer while the lecturer is still lecturing. <laughs> Good thing to have a go at one day. But expectation, they came to him. It's like the Word of God built their faith. But so do testimonies build our faith. When I heard of the man in Slovakia, my, my faith grew. Then I was talking to another guy just two weeks ago in Slovakia, and he, again, he told me a story once before, but he was, as a young man, he was brought up, his father was a communist. He grew up never, ever, in all his life, to the age of 16, had heard the name of Jesus. God was forbidden to be talked in their home. As a 13-year-old boy, he became a heroin addict. So from 13 right through to 18, he was addicted. His mates would go out. They were just living what they would say was a high life, but was a scum life. And then my friend, this Muro, some of you have met him, he was doing this sort of outreach, and he invited this guy because he was helping. He was trying to build a friendship with him. So the boy, just out, a young man, 18 years of age, out of, in a way, being kind to his mate, because his mate had been kind to him, went along to this meeting. He listened to him preach. He said he didn't know why, but he put his hand up at the end and prayed a prayer. Now, his aim was to go to the meeting, and after the meeting, him and his mates were all going out to get high. But for some reason, 
a tiredness just came over him. And he just said to his mates, he said, I, I just can't come out with you. I've got to go home. I just, I just feel so tired. And he tells the story, he went home and he went into this deep, deep sleep. And he woke up in the morning completely free from the addiction of heroin. It was a miracle, absolute miracle. Absolutely free. Now, you can imagine what that did to him. He heard about this sort of man, Jesus. But then the next day, he wants to know more about this man, Jesus. Because something has happened in his life. Today, he's lovely. He's married to a lovely lady. They've got two children and he's pastoring a church. Come on. The, the, those things stimulate my faith. They help me to believe in a God who's miraculous. They help me to believe that God is a God who wants to do it again and again and again. He's not just a, he's not just a God in the Bible. He's a God who manifests His love. And come on, equipers, I believe God's wanting to create. It doesn't matter how, how young you are, but it's a matter of what you believe for. It's gonna create an environment where God can do something amazingly supernatural. It says they, in the, in the book of Revelation, you know, they overcome, you overcome the enemy by the word of your testimony. Not just by having a positive mind, but knowing what God's done in your life. I remember, you know, one, I was on a plane and this guy found out that I was a minister and pastor and so he wanted to get into a debate about evolution versus creation and I just looked at him and I said you know mate I said you probably even have more knowledge than I do I said but one thing I've got is I've got a testimony of the reality of Jesus in my life you can't argue about that because for me that is incredibly real. I know I'm a forgiven man. I know I don't any longer carry shame. I know that I've been set free. And because Jesus has manifested his love and his breakthrough in my life, I have no problem believing he could have created the universe. You might say, oh, that's just simplistic. But for me, it's not because the Creator lives in me. Amen? He dwells in my heart. And that's the power that I believe we need. Fourthly, that they were, these people had breakthrough. They were prepared to uncover the roof. And do you know in life sometimes for us to be healed, sometimes for us to get a breakthrough, we've got to show a little bit of determination. The woman who had the issue of blood, it's the story in the Bible, where for 12 years she had a problem and she'd been to doctor after doctor and it just says she was in the middle of the crowd. But you imagine the crowds of people, but it says she pushed through. She, she pushed through and she just said, if I, just if I could touch the hem of his garment, it wasn't, wasn't an easy pass. There was determination. Sometimes we can sit in church and, oh, well, if God's really will turn up. No, no, come on. Where's the determination? Where's the breakthrough? Where's the ability to say, I I'm actually gonna put a little bit more of a lean in here. I'm gonna actually even do some stuff to remove any hindrance that stops me coming to where Jesus 
can meet my need. And I believe as Christians, we need to do that. And then breakthrough, finally, I just want to, and just leading into, into it, just says, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? Some people reasoned, but Jesus commanded him to arise. And there are four ways I want you to go with something tonight. This is the equipping side. There's four ways I've learned. There are probably more, but four areas where I've learned how Jesus heals. Four ways. So my fifth area is healing. Four ways that he heals. The first way is by confession. Especially with Christians. The confession of our sin actually opens a door for the power of God to heal. And there's an amazing scripture which I believe we should actually take note of more and more if we're to see the power of God moving in our generation. God doesn't, you can't, you can never put God in a box. In fact, for me, I, I, I say the devil's a box builder, but my Jesus is a box breaker. He always breaks down the boxes of our predictions predictability. He breaks down the boxes where we think we've got him into a, a pattern of how he does things. No, no, God breaks them down. And in the book of James, it gives us an interesting area, it just gives us an interesting account. And it talks about in chapter five, it just says verses, I think they're going to put it up, uh, verses here, it just says, uh, go back to verse 13. It says, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing psalms. Not a bad idea. If anyone among you is sick, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him or her, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. It says, confess your sins to one another. But this is so important. It says, the prayer, come on, the prayer of a righteous person, the effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So when we're prepared to open our heart, sometimes to the points of the vulnerability of our life, and we're prepared to not just go to our mates, because it's easy to share with your mates. Come and share with me. Come to a leader in the church. Why? Because the prayer, their prayer of faith has not only the power to release you to come to a place of forgiveness, but it also has the power to release healing. And sometimes I think we struggle with things that God doesn't want us to. The second way God ministers, and sometimes you, 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 you just get this in your heart, is just simply by a command. Jesus just said to the man, get up. I don't know how he said it, but I think get up is pretty good. Arise, get up. And here was this guy who'd been flat on his bed, not able to walk, stands up. He starts walking. You, you, you imagine that. Came as a command. I know I've told this story, but I was, I, I've now and again just experienced commands. 
And sometimes I wonder, wow, where'd that come from? But you know, it's like the anointing of God is on you to command. And uh, the story of a couple in Denmark, and I was in their room. They were struggling to have children. They've been trying, I think, for, I can't remember, 11 years. I think it was that, might be 8, 10, I don't know, somewhere in that vicinity. And I was in their home, and they were sharing the pain. And, and you know, child, people without, don't have the ability to conceive the pain. You, you know, I've watched them. People on Mother's Day, Father's Day, the pain that gets into people, even though they celebrate and they're generous, but there's pain. Why? Because the very thing they want, other people are celebrating. And this couple, I could feel, and I don't know, there was just something like a, initially a compassion rose in my heart. And do you know what I said? And, and to this day, I, I, I get, I, I think, well, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't arrogance. I just said, when I pray for you, you get pregnant. It was like, and then I, did I say that? <laughs> and then I laid hands on them. And true, within two months, they wrote to me and said, we're pregnant. Do you know they've had five kids? They don't want me in their home. <laughs> but, but, you know, so, sometimes there are things that just need a command. They just need something to be spoken to them. It's, it's almost like you're here. I believe there are people who've got gastric problems tonight. God's gonna heal you. God's spoken, I, I believe gastric, mainly gastric. There, there'll be other healings here, but I believe God wants to heal people with major gastric problems, stomach, uh, stomach problems, tummy problems, that's actually affecting the function of your bowel. But God wants to heal you. You don't have to live there. And I believe in a moment when we command it, God is gonna do something supernatural and people are gonna be divinely healed. Amen? God's gonna move. Super. And there's a command. Sometimes there's a command that God just gives us and we think, where did that come from? But it's like God puts this faith in our heart that we're able to say something that we wouldn't say in our own rationale. The third area, so the first one is confession. The third, uh, second one is by a command. Sometimes there's a command. Perhaps if Ed, would you just pop up quickly because you come quick. The third one, which I believe is probably the one we need to exercise the most. And I'm gonna, I'm not too bad for time, pretty good for me. It's called what you call the laying on of hands. You don't need emotion to do this. You just need to know God's commanded you to. You don't even need to feel. You could go up to a person at work and just say, look, I'm a Christian. Do you mind if I pray for you? I'm just gonna lay my hands on you. You might lay it on your head. You might put it on their shoulder. But I like laying my hands on the head. I have no problem with, with Ed right now. Because, but when I lay hands on, I'll just let you know, when I lay hands on people, I can tell whether they're open or not. I can tell whether their spirit is open, closed. I can actually tell where there's demonic activity. I could be standing there, but I don't know until I put my hand on their head. Because there's something powerful about the laying on of hands. And the Christian church, I believe, has neglected it. And that's why often we're not seeing the power of God work like He wants to. I don't think you need emotion. It's a command. You read it in Matthew chapter six, it says, lay hands on the sick 
and they shall be healed. Amen. And I believe we need to see more. That's why on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, sometimes we say, if you're sick, just lift your hand or stand up. And then people around, you know, they go up and some people stand there with their hands in their pocket. No, 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 get your hand out of your pocket. I was going to say idiot, but I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Lay hands on people. Put your hand on. It's not that you, it's like when you do that, people think, oh, they've got a, you know. No, 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 it's the power of God working through your face. Amen? You've got no magic. <laughs> it's just Jesus works. He responds to your faith because you've, and the anointing of God, you can just, sometimes you can see the anointing of God come on people as they open up. Amen? Thanks for coming. Laying on hands is so important. I believe we need to put our hand on people's heads and we need to start to speak the power of God to heal people. Don't be ashamed of it. It's probably one of the strongest commands in the Bible for us all. The fourth area, which I think is pretty, we, we need to understand a little bit more with what I call the fear of God. The fear of God. I'm a great believer in the fear of God. I think the fear of God is a strong touch of the anointing of His presence. And, you know, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about communion. Communion is, communion is when we take what can be us, a little cracker or a bit of bread, we might have grape juice, sometimes you have wine, but you take it. And that little cracker, can you think, well, what is it? It's just a cracker. But when you do it with an understanding of the fear of God, you're actually remembering that Christ's body was broken for you. He took upon himself every iniquity, every curse, every sickness, he took upon himself. And then when you take the cup, you're actually acknowledging that the power of Jesus' blood can absolutely cleanse you from sin. Amen? It washes you clean. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, part of it, just says, therefore, Whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord, and you listen to the words, I, I, I want to put the fear of God into your heart in an unworthy manner. That means you come in here and it's just a religious thing. You don't really examine your heart. You don't really open your spirit. You're just doing it. You do it in an unworthy manner. The pastor's got to talk this stuff. Why? How many want to be whole? <laughs> Come on, how many want to be whole? You gotta, we, we gotta, I've got to equip the church. I'm not here to pacify you. I'm here to equip you. I'm here to train you. It just says, therefore, if you do it in an unworthy manner, we'll be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let each man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup for whoever eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks is it up there? what does it eat? they eat and drink? judgment 
on themselves. And then it goes on, it says this, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That literally means they've died. And I think sometimes they're premature deaths. Am I putting the fear of God on you? <laughs> Probably. I actually personally, for me, my greatest healings have come before I receive the bread and the wine. Because at that point, I'm just saying right now, Jesus, I acknowledge that you've paid the price of my sin, my iniquity. And when I take this bread, I'm remembering that I am your son and I receive my healing into my body. I believe the greatest deliverances can come for Christians when we take the bread and the wine. And when you do this, you're remembering him. You're remembering. You're remembering the hand of God upon your life. And so be careful in church. As a believer, let there be a sincerity of heart. And I'm not putting a heavy so much as, I just want people to get a little bit of the fear of God. And I wonder sometimes where we're putting up with things that God could just set free. If we had the faith, we all have our humanity we struggle with. We all have areas that God's got to heal, God's got to set us free. But the greatest place of deliverance for us as at the foot of Jesus, amen? So God for me heals in four ways. He heals when we just confess. Yeah, we've got some things here that are wrong. Some people want healing but don't want to deal with issues. You gotta, you gotta get the root cause out to know the power of God to heal. A lot of sickness is just simply because we're not dealing with the root cause. Other times, There'll be an issue in our life that just the command is needed. Amen? Just the command. The blind man, was he sinful? No, the Bible said no. But that you might know the glory of God, command. And he, he was able to see. It's just literally a command. I love that. How many like that? <laughs> I love that time. I, I, you know, dealing with me? <laughs> but more hard work dealing with me. True? But yet my healing, my wholeness is associated with how I look after me. True? And then there's the laying on of hands with especially people in your work or your home or just simply going up to people and saying, look, look, I'm a Christian. Do you mind if I pray for you? I've only ever in all my life had one person say no. I go into hospitals. I love praying for people in the opposite bed and all around. Go up, oh, look, do you mind if I pray for you? Oh, would you, would you? Just simply lay hands on them. One lady came to Christ because she was in the opposite bed of someone I was praying for. Just amazing what God can do just simply by you just exercising faith. And I believe there's so many people out there that God wants to minister to. 
Thirdly, or fourthly, is communion. Every Sunday morning here as a church, we celebrate communion. I reckon it's a great environment to come into. It's an environment where you pray. It's an environment where you look and you're able to say, thank you, Jesus. It focuses us. Come on, focus. Communion focuses you. Keep, keeps Jesus in his rightful place. Amen. And I believe that Jesus is here. I believe he wants to heal people. I believe he wants to remove some of the things that are holding people back. I believe as a church, that's why I, I, I know this is a God word, that he's wanting us, can I use the word, to be equipped to be healers. <laughs> to be equipped to be healers. Amen? Don't you like that? equipped to be healers. So we're not standing back, but we're all saying, wow, can you use me, Jesus? Can you use me? How many are in? So we're going to do two things tonight. The first thing we're going to do is I want to play, pray for people who've got gastric problems. Just stand up quickly where you are. I, I know there's many of you because the Holy Spirit told me. Just if you've got gastric problems, just stand where you are. Right around here, stomach problems, if you're a bit younger, you know you've got a, I, d I don't understand it, but they call it an irritable bowel. You know that there's problems with emotions, all that, and I'm not trying to be graphic, but I'm just saying, come on, God's here to heal. God's here to heal. Now, because I believe in the power of the body, what I want to do is I want some leaders from the church to just stand with some of these people who are standing up. There's people up on top here. I just love some leaders to come around them, but you just find someone. I, I'm, I'm gonna do the pray, but we, we, we're not just gonna put our hand on their shoulder. We're gonna lay hands on them, on their head. Amen? We're gonna lay hands on their head. We're gonna speak the power of God to heal. I know there are many other sicknesses in this room, but right now I know the Holy Spirit showing me that he's gonna heal people with gastric problems. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I command that every force that's holding these people back from knowing the healing power of Jesus, I command in Jesus' Name that they be broken. And tonight in Jesus' Name, we release the power of an eternal God, an everlasting God to heal. In Jesus' Name, I release healing. I release healing right now into bodies. I release the power of Jesus to heal right now in Jesus' Name. And we command on the authority of God's Word. Your Word, you've exalted above your Name. And now I speak the power of Jesus Christ to heal. In the Name of Jesus, in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen, amen. Now, if I was being prayed for tonight, the first thing I would do is I'd just simply say, thank you, Jesus. Amen, thank you, Jesus. The moment you know God's healed you or you're on the way, come on, tell someone, testify. Come on, get it out of your mouth, testify, tell someone. Why? Because that is what God moves on. He moves on our testimony. He moves on our testimony. 
The second area, we could pray for a lot of people. Perhaps if you are sick, just stand where you are because this is a general prayer, but I want to do something more special. Not more special than that, but, but, I, but on my heart, I want to do something where my faith is ready. Amen? But if you, you are sick, just stand right now where you are. If you need, you need God to touch you physically, uh, I, I think just coming into my spirit as asthmatic people, Come on, God wants to heal. God wants to break you free from the hold of that over your body in the name of Jesus. Again, I want people to associate. Come on, we're not, not into the superpower. We're into everybody believing that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Come on, we're doing it. We're putting our hands on people right now. We're laying hands on. We're speaking the power of Christ in Jesus' Name. Father, we right now declare the power of of the Holy Spirit to heal. God, conditions in this room, asthmatics, we break the hold. Right now over chest congestion, tightness, we speak. We speak the power of God to heal. We speak Your victory, Jesus. We speak Your Name. We pray, God, there'll be testimony after testimony flowing in this room because we've believed in the Name of Jesus. We lift Your Name up in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen.